Hello, welcome back to the Barefoot Books Podcast. This week, we're the story of Princess Odette and Prince Siegfried as he tries to break an evil curse on his beloved. After the story, go to barefootbooks.com to find the complete Barefoot Ballet Stories collection. Swan Lake, from the ballet by Peter Ilyich Tchaikovsky. Once upon a time in old Russia, where magic still held sway, there lived a fair princess named Odette. When she was thirteen, both her parents died, and so she became queen before she quite understood what this meant. In this same time and place lived a sorcerer named von Rothbart, who hated the royal family, believing that only he was clever enough and strong enough to rule the kingdom. He had rejoiced when the king and queen died, and then he began to plot against the new young queen. Indeed, it seemed as if he hated everyone and everything. But there was one person von Rothbart did love, his daughter, dark-eyed Odile. And having grown up at his side, trained in his ways, she was as wicked as he. Now it's hard enough for a queen to rule well when there are evil men about, but a child queen and an evil sorcerer in one kingdom? Odette never had a chance. Von Rothbart worked for a full year trying to find the right combination of magical ingredients that would put an end to the young queen's reign. Many a field mouse, skylark and toad were killed in his experiments. Many a peasant disappeared from his land. Then... At last, the sorcerer found the magical recipe he was seeking, a spell that twisted bird and girl together. With a sweet-tasting potion and a single word wrenched from the dark regions, he transformed Odette and all her handmaidens into swans, beaks and wings and tails, banishing them to a lonely lake at the very edge of the kingdom. This left the country in the hands of von Rothbart and his daughter, and bad work they made of it. What had been a lush and fertile place was now practically a desert, for that kind of evil magic draws its power directly from the land. Now seven years later, in a bordering kingdom where the land was still green and growing, the young Prince Siegfried was shortly to be crowned king. His father having just died, the prince's advisers were all insisting that Siegfried should marry, and soon. They gathered in a meeting room to tell him so. This distressed the prince. I have no wish to marry without love, he said. Since he loved no particular girl at the moment, he hoped this would silence his advisers. The kingdom needs a queen, the council told him, and an heir. The kingdom may need them, but I do not, said Siegfried. At least not yet. 
he strode out of the room, leaving his advisers in a muddle. As he stomped off down the corridor, Siegfried heard gales of laughter and music coming from outside the palace. He put a hand to his head. Of course, he'd forgotten that today was his 21st birthday and that his friends had arranged a great celebration. Siegfried's temples had begun to throb. After the quarrel with his advisers, the last thing he wanted was a party. All he really wished to do was to go off alone into the woods and breathe deeply of the free air. But he knew his old tutor, Wolfgang, as well as his friends and the local villagers, would be terribly disappointed if he did not come out to greet them. He glanced out of a window. Down below, the party-goers were already standing about in the gathering dusk. He would have to go out to them and look pleased to see them. It was his duty as a prince, as a king. Trudging down the long flight of stone steps, Siegfried then made his way across the front courtyard, past the palace guards and through the gates. The moment they saw him, all the revellers cheered heartily and the village boys threw their hats into the air. Siegfried had to smile. He loved his people and knew they loved him. A happy king meant a happy kingdom. If only his advisers would give him a little more time. Just then, his best friend, Benno, stepped forwards from the crowd. Happy birthday, my prince, he said, grinning, his hair glowing red in the last rays of the setting sun. From behind his back, he brought out the villagers' new present, a magnificent new crossbow, the wood oiled and gleaming. Because we know how you love to hunt, Benno said, may this bring down whatever you aim at. And may you aim at only what you wish to bring down. Benno adored making speeches. Once again the crowd cheered as Siegfried put his hand on the bow. The perfect gift, he said, smiling. And I will try it out as soon as this party's over. You've made me very happy. He held the bow above his head and the crowd cried out his name. Just then, his mother, the Dowager Queen, stormed out of the palace. Furiously, she came up to him, shaking her finger. "'Your father is just dead, and you celebrate with friends?' she exclaimed. "'Shame on you, Siegfried! Shame!' She took him by the arm and led him back into the palace. "'You must think about the good of the kingdom, not such frivolities. Your father did not have parties. He did his work. So must you!' But Mamma, he began as they strode down the marble hall. However, she was like a river in full spate, a flood that could not be dammed up. The council tells me you did not listen to them, but you must, Siegfried. Choose a bride. Do it tomorrow. It was not a plea, but a command. The only way she knew how to speak to him. Siegfried's head drooped. He was in despair. He knew his mother was right but he had no desire to wed. Tomorrow, she said again, and the word told in his ears like a death knell. He tore himself from her grasp and went out into the palace gardens, where he stopped for a moment to watch a flock of snow-white swans sail overhead. How he envied them their freedom. Benno found him there, looking at the sky. Let us go hunting, my lord he suggested. 
There is a full moon tonight, and the hunt will take your mind off things. Besides, you can try out your new bow. If only it were that easy, Siegfried said, but allowed himself to be drawn away. Before it was completely dark, the prince and his closest companions went off following the route of the swans, going due north. They went through woods and moors, over stone walls and across treacherous bogs. The moon came up, white and cold, and still the hunting party went on, crossing over into the bleak land ruled by von Rothbart, though they did not know it. Little grew in the hard, cracked soil. Neither flowers nor ferns and twisted trees wept their few leaves onto the stunted brown grass. I do not like this place, Benno said. The others agreed, but Siegfried found that the bleakness of the land echoed his own feelings. We go on, he said. After a while they came to a mysterious lake, its waters dark and peaty, the shoreline clogged with dead reeds. I like this even less, said Benno. It suits me. Siegfried said. I expect it suits the swans too, though in fact they hadn't seen the swans for some time. I will stay here a while, but you go that way, he pointed further north. We'll stay with you, Benno insisted. No, I command you to leave. I want to be alone for a while. Do not worry, I'll be fine, and perhaps you can send the swans my way. Siegfried smiled, though Benno was not comforted by it. Still, the prince had ordered them gone, and so, with reluctant hearts, the hunting party moved north. No sooner had the men left than Prince Siegfried spotted the very swans they'd been speaking of, swimming around a bend of the lake, each long neck gracefully curved. Siegfried was entranced. Hiding himself behind the trunk of a dying tree, he set his bow on the ground. The swans were simply too lovely to shoot. Moving silently over the dark waters, the swans left scarcely a ripple on the surface of the lake. Above them, the moon hung like a brilliant lantern. Siegfried hardly dared to breathe. The swans came to the shore, waddled up onto the land, and then, one by one, stepped out of their skins, stepped out of their skins. Siegfried's mouth opened and closed, then opened again. He could not say a word. Out of each of those feathered skins rose a beautiful maiden dressed all in white, with long legs and supple arms and hair the colour of corn shimmering in the moonlight. Siegfried felt he could not intrude on this most miraculous of moments and stood as still as stone. Then he noticed that one of the maidens shone brighter than the rest, on her head a circlet of gold. Suddenly he could not help himself. He stepped away from the tree and went swiftly to the beautiful maiden. Kneeling, he declared, Fair maid, I've never seen anyone like you. Pray tell me your name. She cast her eyes down and said in a gentle voice, My name is Odette, 
queen of the swans. I am under a terrible enchantment. During the day, my handmaidens and I must take to the sky as birds, prey to hunters and great eagles alike. Only at night can we come down to land, regaining our human form for as long as it is dark. This lake is our refuge. Prince Siegfried reached for her hand. Is there no way to end this cruel enchantment? Tell me, and I will do it, fair one. She let her hand rest in his for a moment, where it lay small and warm. Only if someone who has never loved before swears an undying oath to me, only then can the spell be broken. But should he prove unfaithful, I will be condemned to remain a swan forever. Siegfried placed his palm over his heart. I do so swear, on my honour as a prince, as one soon to be a king. I am yours, Pharodet, queen of the swans, now and forever. Then he gathered up both her hands in his. Tell me the name of the evil one who has put this spell on you, for I shall kill him myself. Odette shivered. No, no, if you do that, my prince, the spell will never be broken, and I shall remain a swan. Just then, Benno and the other hunters returned. They saw the prince, the lovely girls, the white, discarded skins. My prince, Benno shouted, his bow raised, for he did not know what to make of the scene, did not want his prince mixed up with magic. Siegfried raised his hand. Put down your bows. These are merely maidens under an enchantment. What has happened to them is not their fault. We must help them, not hurt them. The first light of dawn began its slow creep over the hills. The dark lake began to redden. Odette and her maidens cried out, their calls hoarsening. Clad in their feathered skins once more, they sprouted beaks and wings, and with a great leap into the air, they were gone. Prince Siegfried and his companions slept a little by the lakeside, and then came home later in the day to find that the Queen had prepared a great ball for her son. Ambassadors from many countries were waiting to greet Siegfried, the medals on their jackets clinking and clanking as they talked. Clearly this ball had been long in the planning. Siegfried knew his mother never left anything to chance. You railed at me for my party, said Siegfried, and now you throw a ball. This ball is not for fun, she told him briskly. It is for choosing your bride. My bride? He had forgotten all about that. Go and change, she said and then come down and be charming. To them. She pointed to a variety of lovely girls, who each came forward, curtsied, then preened before the prince. But Siegfried hardly noticed them. He went up, changed into a suit of green velvet, pinned his own medals to his jacket, and brushed his hair. He did not take time to look in the large mirror that hung on his wardrobe, what did it matter how he looked to the girls waiting below? He already knew who he would marry. Odette, the swan maiden. 
Still obedient as ever to his mother's wishes, he was determined to be thoroughly charming for this one evening. He could afford it. He went back down the stone stairs. In the garden, musicians were playing their viols and oboes under the shining eye of the moon. The music reminded Siegfried of the swans swimming over dark waters, hardly disturbing the surface. He smiled. He knew that while he was at this silly ball, Odette would be resting with her maidens on the lake shore. Safe for now. Entering the ballroom, Siegfried saw it was teeming with people waiting to hear his choice. He nodded at them, at Benno, at his tutor, Wolfgang. Let them wait, he thought. One by one the maidens came forward to greet Siegfried, but his mind and heart were by the dark lake. He would keep it a secret until the spell had been broken. He would tell his mother only that he had found the one he would marry. She would have to be content with that. Seeing him smile, the queen came over and put a hand on his shoulder. Now you're acting the king, she said. Your father would be proud. Suddenly there came a loud fanfare and two late guests were announced. Presenting Count von Rothbart and his daughter. Prince Siegfried looked up and was so startled that he shook off his mother's hand. Standing next to the grim-faced gentleman was an astonishingly beautiful girl, the very image of the swan maiden, now dressed in a dark gown. Odette! The single name burst from Siegfried's lips. But how could this be? He thought her safe at the lake. What the prince could not know was that this was not Odette, but Odile, who by her father's dread magic had been transformed into the dark mirror of Odette. As if in a dream, Siegfried went over to Odile, bowed, took her hand and led her into the dance. As if enchanted, he drew her close, pressed her to him. My beautiful Odette, he whispered in her ear, still mistaking her for the girl he loved. And she, as wicked as her father, never told him of his mistake. The moment he spoke those words, there was a frantic beating at the ballroom windows. A girl, as beautiful and fair as a swan, struck her fists over and over on the glass, trying to catch Siegfried's attention. But it was no use. The prince was caught in von Rothbart's spell, in the spell of Odile's transfigured beauty. He had eyes only for her, ears only for the music to which they danced. Seeing the prince so transfixed, the musicians played all the louder, drowning out the frantic sounds of the girl in the garden beating upon the glass. So Siegfried, all unknowing, danced and danced with the beautiful Odile, while around them the guests could only watch. Astonished, Benno shrugged and Wolfgang chuckled. The queen sat on her throne with a satisfied smile on her face. At last the music ended and the musicians paused for a moment to select another piece. The girl on the grass took a deep breath and brushed away her tears. Siegfried stepped back from Odile, though he would not let go of her hand. Come, he said, his voice thick with enchantment. He led her before her father, 
the hawk-faced von Rothbart. Sir, I would marry your daughter, Odette. Von Rothbart smiled, which did not improve his grim looks. Like his daughter, he did not let the prince know of his mistake. All he'd hoped for, all he had worked for, was about to come true. But he chose his words carefully. Magic must always be precise. Will you swear to love this girl whose hand you hold forever? I so swear, Siegfried said, putting his other hand over his heart. Again, the swan girl ran to the window and beat frantically on the glass. The musicians had not resumed playing, and this time Siegfried heard her, turned, and saw her. He looked at the girl whose hand he held, and then back again at the glass. For a moment he was stunned, stunned, and then sickened as realisation dawned. He had been tricked, deceived, betrayed. You! he said, spitting the word at von Rothbart. He guessed now who the Count really was, but it was too late. Too late! The spell had taken hold, and his true love, Odette, would be a swan forever. Odette! Siegfried cried, pulling himself away from the false maiden's grasp and racing from the ballroom. The court was in confusion, the queen appalled, while von Rothbart and his daughter laughed aloud in triumph. Broken-hearted, Odette made her way back to the lake, to the clotted reeds, to tell her maidens what had happened. Her face was swollen from weeping. When they saw her, the maidens jumped to their feet and gathered around her. Alas, she said, I no longer wish to live. She tried to pull away from her friends and leap into the cold water while still in human form, but they held her tight and would not let her go. No, madam, no, they cautioned. Some good will come of this. Von Rothbart shall not win. At this she grew quieter. Hope, like a candle, flickered in her breast. Meanwhile, desperate to find his way back to the lake, Siegfried ran through the night. North, he told himself, north! Tree branches slapped him in the face, roots tripped him, mud sucked at his feet, but still he ran. Guessing the prince's intentions, the evil sorcerer uttered three words and twisted his cap around three times. Once for wind, once for rain, once for sleet and hail. The skies turned dark, a howling filled the air, and raindrops as thick and hard as stones began to fall. But nothing, nothing could keep Siegfried from his task. He battled through the wild and dreadful storm, drenched and shivering. North, he reminded himself, and north again. When he reached the dark lake at last, the winds suddenly ceased. The rain and sleet and hail disappeared as quickly as they had started. The full moon was reflected in the still water, a perfect silver circle. On the shore stood Odette, surrounded by her maidens. Siegfried flung himself at her feet, begging her forgiveness. I did not know, he said. I love only you.
She looked down at him, her eyes deep pools. My love, you were tricked. There's nothing to forgive. Then all will be well? He stood and embraced her. She shook her head. No, my prince. Nothing will ever be well again. I shall be a swan forever. Then I will join you. She took her hand from his, and before anyone could stop her, she ran away and threw herself into the lake. For a moment, the water made furrows in her skirts like a scallop shell. Then, down and down and down, she sank into the cold depths. Without a word more, Siegfried ran after her, dived into the lake, and disappeared into the dark waters. On shore, the swan maidens shivered and wept. But it is said, and believed by those who truly care, that their bodies were found later lying hand in hand at the bottom of the lake. Siegfried and Odette were united at last in love. That's all for today's episode. Thanks for listening. Now you can visit barefootbooks.com slash podcast to find special offers, join our email list, and listen to past episodes of the Barefoot Books podcast. See you next week. Bye.